Have you ever found yourself wondering about the role that Canadians played in old-time radio? Well, wonder no more. During the next 60 minutes, we'll delve into the careers of actors, writers, and directors who went abroad to find work, as well as those who stayed right here in Canada. Join me as together we explore Canadians in old-time radio. Welcome once again to Canadians in Old Time Radio, a project presented by CATRA, the Canadian Old Time Radio Alliance. You can always have a look at our website and have a listen to some of the clips that are up there. Check out the uh, calendar of births and deaths and uh, other things that are on the uh, website by going to www.cotra.ca. Well, seeing that we had an hour-long Made in Canada segment last week, let's do an hour-long Canadians Abroad segment this week. We'll begin with an episode of Richard Diamond, Private Detective, and the name of the episode is The Martin Hire. And in the cast is Stacy Harris from Big Timber, Quebec. Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. Hello there, this is Diamond. About the most strenuous effort I might give out during a working year is maybe chasing some thug up the escalator at Bloomingdale's department store. But last week, I really outdid myself. The all-stars of the police force challenged the private detectives to a baseball game for the benefit of the vice squad. And I wound up stiffer than a pair of starched overalls. Because the private detectives are quick to take advantage of the slightest opportunity, by the eighth inning, we realized the need for some immediate strategy. The score at that point was six to four, the cops leading. So I got hold of a little blonde I knew and had her walk across the infield in a sweater. The idea was to disturb the opposing team and take their minds off the game. It would have worked, but it seemed that since I had last seen my little blonde friend, she'd become quite a favorite with the police force, so they just waved hello and went about their business. My drooling colleagues, however, had not come in contact with said hunk of fluff, and before the game was over, three of them had picked up the bat boy and tried to bunt with him. You may have read where the police force finally beat us, close game, 37 to 4. But I want to say right here and now, they never could have done it without that sweater. And oh yeah, I got mixed up on a little honest murder the next day. 
It all started in the back booth of a middle-class nightclub. A couple of people were busy trying to think up the fastest way to make a homicide billiard. Oh, uh, that's the three-cushion variety. Killing to frame up to the electric chair. Leon, are you sure this will work? You want to get rid of that old man of yours, don't you? You know I do. Well, I got a wife that I want to dump, too. This letter from her is going to fix it so we both end up very unmarried. Are you sure they'll blame it on Martin? Sure, I'm sure. When they find him with this letter and his own gun and the dead body of my dear little wife, they'll slap him in the chair so fast he won't know what happened. Who's going to find him with the body? That's your job, baby. I'll get the letter to your husband and you swipe his gun and get it to me. And you go get yourself a private detective and tell the shamus that you suspect your husband of running around with another girl. You and the shamus tail your husband. I'll have a time so you catch him with the goods right after the killing. Well, all right. I hope it works. It will if you want it to, baby. I want it to. Because I want you. Yeah. Yeah, and all that nice money your husband's going to leave you. Leon. Come in, June. Yeah. Come in. Mr. Diamond? That's right. I want to hire a private detective. Well, good for you. Sit down. Thank you. What is your fee? Hmm? What's the matter? Oh, stand up and sit down again. They're 52 gauge, Mr. Diamond. Like them? Oh, you'd look good if they were sweat socks. I don't think they'd go with a high heel. Uh, You've got a point. Now, uh, what were you saying? I wanted to know what your fee is. Oh, a hundred a day in expenses. Uh, Isn't that a little high? I stopped eating at the automat six years ago. All right, I'll give you a retainer. Oh, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. What's the job? I think my husband is running around with another woman. What do you want me to do? Hustle him off to the nut house? Aren't you nice? I want you to go with me as a witness. You know, uh, any other time I might get shy, but I'm really interested in seeing a girl who could beat your time. Hmm. When do I start? Meet me in front of my house at 10 minutes to 8. My husband leaves around 8. What's the address? 521 East 58th Street. My name is Hires, Mr. Diamond. Uh, June Hires. All right, June. I'll see you at 10 to 8. Now, uh, excuse me, but about that retainer. Oh, yes, that. Um, here's a hundred dollars. Is that enough? Uh, it'll keep me interested. What's your husband's name? Martin. I'll see you this evening, Mr. Diamond. Oh, uh, one more question. Yes? Why haven't you and your husband been getting along? Uh-huh. Oh, a lot of reasons. By the way, Mr. Diamond, how old are you? Hmm? No, oh, well, I'm frisky, but I passed the foolish mark when I was three and a half. Did you? Goodbye, Mr. Diamond. I wonder if I did. Diamond Detective Agency, with men who know the corpses best, it's Diamond, two to one. Rick. Oh, oh, Helen. Hello, baby. What are you doing? Uh, what gauge nylons do you wear, dear? 52. Why? No, nothing. Oh, Rick, are you going to buy me a present? Oh, you never can tell. I was just looking at a pair a few minutes ago. Rick. Yeah? Where were you looking at them? Now, what kind of a question is that? A very good question. Have you got a girl up in that office? Helen. Don't you, Helen, me, have you? Well, I give you my word I haven't. All right. Was there a girl in your office? The, the... Was there? Well, a client. I got a hundred-dollar retainer. I don't I... care if she gave you the George Washington Bridge. You were obviously looking at her leg. Well, I couldn't help it. She sat on that way. 
Now, look, honey, she's just another client. Mm-hmm, with 52-gauge nylons. Would you do count the threads? Oh, can you do that? Oh, you wolf! Yeah, but you're the only one who gets the benefit of my talents. You can put the soft soap away. Well, I got some business at eight. I'll, I'll be over later. Well, you're going to stay mad until you get here. And you're going to tell me all about those nylons. I'll be sure and do some research. Bye. Well, there you are. You sit around and wait for a meal ticket to come in, and just because it happens to be fitted with curves, your best girl digs up the green-eyed monster. I don't know why gals get sore at a guy just because they catch him panting a little. (laughs) After all, it's hot in New York. I spent the rest of the afternoon trying to hit a big horse fly with a rubber band and some paper clips. And by six o'clock, we shook hands and called it a draw. I closed the office and went home. I got into some clean clothes and grabbed a bite to eat at the corner drugstore. At ten minutes to eight, I was sitting in June Hire's car, parked across the street from her front door. Mr. Diamond, how did you ever get to be a private detective? Uh, Mrs. Hyam, how did you ever get to be a housewife? You think things up in a hurry, don't you? Only when I got competition. You like competition? Uh, up to a point. After that, I get tired of the struggle. <laughs> I feel like I was back in college, sitting in a parked car with a good-looking man. Your education must have been pretty tame. I haven't moved once. Well, I really started to study after I graduated. Oh, I bet you got straight A's. Must you top everything? I play around with a lot of trouble, Mrs. High, and I've got to stay one step ahead of it. Do I look like trouble? When's your husband coming out of that house? Any minute now. You didn't answer my question. I'll tell you as soon as I see your husband. Well, how will that tell you? If he's wearing a beanie with a propeller on it, I'll know you've been giving him a lot of trouble. So I've been giving him trouble. Does that mean I'll do the same for somebody else? Uh, What's the difference, a husband or a private detective? They both got their names from a guy named Adam. Oh, look. A cab pulled up to the front door. Yeah, I see it. And here comes Martin. Mm, he's getting into the cab. Well, what do you know? What's the matter? No beanie. We both sat and watched while Martin Hire got into the cab and it pulled away. Mrs. Hire put her car in gear and we started the tale, giving her the safe distance. He led us across town to a middle-class apartment house and we stopped the car and waited up the street. He's getting out and going into that building. Come on. What for? Shouldn't we let him get up there first and and then... Look, look, baby. Do you know who who this gal is? No, no, of course not. Then come on. I want to see what door he goes in. But won't he see us? Honey, I don't tell you how to put your lipstick on. Now, don't tell me how to make like a bloodhound. The the lobby is empty. Well, watch the elevator. Oh. It's stopping on the fourth floor. Hadn't we better go up? Look, uh, look, lover. The fourth floor probably comes equipped with a lot of doors. Now, if you want to just knock on any of them, go hire yourself Humphrey Bogart. Then what do we do? You stand by and watch like you... Make like you knew what I was doing. See, the little old elevator's coming back down. Now, you just hold it there while I look at the mailboxes. Mrs. B. Callahan. Mrs. Lillian McEdward. Mrs. Mike. Well... And Miss Sally Maxwell. Okay, now we push the button for the fourth floor and away we go. Fun? Um, how do you know where to go? I got the name off the mailbox. But you said yourself there must be a lot of people on the fourth floor. Elementary, my dear girl, process of elimination. We're lucky this time. 
Only one single girl on the fourth floor, Sally Maxwell. Come on. It's 406. What if there'd been more than one single girl? So I make some new friends. Now stop asking questions and stick close. Mm, I'd love it. Now, here it is, 406. Now hold it down. Can you hear anything? No. Yeah, somebody's moving around. Oh? Uh Oh, Duck. What? Too late. What? June. Uh, good evening. I represent the Great Nothing Life Insurance Company. What are you doing here, June? I might ask you the same thing. Do you mind if we come in? I'd like to interest you in our indemnity clause. Stop pushing. Get out of my way. Oh, you don't know what you're missing. You get $3 million if a python bites you in the middle of Times Square. You can't force your way in here like that. You... Oh, now you've hurt my feelings. Then take your hands off me or I'll strike you again. Sure, but you need two more to put you out. Here, have one on me. <laughs> Now, the next time you go striking people... Mr. Diamond, look. I looked past the little guy and spotted the body. She was blonde, and I didn't know why she was hanging on to the rug that way. She wasn't going anywhere. All right, you. Get out of my way. Huh? Oh, what a lovely gun. Martin, you killed that girl. No, I did not. I came in here and found her like that, but I didn't kill her. She's been shot. I know that. I found the gun by her body. You don't think I'd kill her? I was in love with her. Martin! Is that the gun that did it? Yes. I mean, no. I, oh, I don't know what I mean. But do stand right there. Don't take another step. That's your gun, Martin. Don't shut up. I didn't kill Sally. But I know I haven't got a chance of proving it, so if you come any closer, I will most certainly shoot you. I hate to look like an idiot, but it's against the law to shoot people. Mr. Diamond, be careful. Come on, Martin. Give me the gun. You don't think I'll shoot, do you? Come on, give it to me. Just one more step. Look out, he's going to shoot. Come on, open up in there. What? Better drop it, Martin. You've got company. Stay back. Stay back. This is the police. Open up and we'll break the door in. Police. Give me the gun, Martin. No, no. Let let him in, June. Before Levinson tears down the whole wall. I've got Martin. Yes, all right. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. What's going on in here? Uh, hello, Walt. Hey, Lieutenant, look. It's the gumshoe. Rick, why do you guys always have to break down doors? Why don't you try turning the knob first? Otis, didn't you see if it was unlocked? Uh, I forgot, Lieutenant. You mallet head. We got a report that someone heard a shot from this apartment. There's the body, Walt. Who's this guy? Uh, Martin Heyer. Here's his gun. He was going to use it on me. I didn't kill her. I came in and found her that way. Oh, shut up. Who's the girl with you, Diamond? Uh, this is Mrs. Heyer. Martin is her husband. You don't say. The old triangle, huh, Rick? I engaged Mr. Diamond to follow my husband. That's right, Walt. We caught Martin trying to sneak out on the corpse. I told you I didn't kill her. And I told you to shut up. Is this your gun? Uh, Yes, but I found it lying by the body. I knew I'd be blamed if someone found my gun, so I put it in my pocket. You search him, Rick? Haven't had time. Shake him down, Otis. Yeah, Lieutenant. I want my lawyer, and you get away from me. You open your trap just once more. Okay, butthole. Please, Mr. Diamond, I'd like to get out of here. Sure. Okay, Walt? Yeah, but I want to talk to both of you down at the station later. Here's something, Lieutenant. What is it? Letter. Are you coming, Mr. Diamond? Uh, You go on down. I'll be right with you. All right. Walt. What does the letter say? We can't continue this way. I've decided to break it off once and for all. It will do no good to see me, so please stay away and leave me alone. Sign Sally. Let me see that. Yeah. Well, what about it, you? Is the dead girl named Sally? Yes. I don't know why she sent it. We were both in love. Sure, sure. What were you going to do about your wife? I was going to tell her this evening. Then I received this note. I came right over to see Sally, but... Believe me, I didn't kill her. Tell me something, Martin. Is this the way you received the letter? Yes. 
Why? Now, you wait a minute, Rick. I'm very happy with what I've got, so don't start making like Sherlock Holmes. Oh, well, I, I guess you're right, Walt. He admits it's his gun, and this letter is certainly motive enough. Yeah. Otis, call for the wagon and put the cuffs on hire. Right, Lieutenant. Walt, why would someone send a letter after tearing off the top of it? Huh? See, the top of this letter is missing. The part that usually reads Dear Julius or something. So what? Do me a favor, will you, Walt? Oh, what is it? Give me three minutes and then have Otis fire a shot from this apartment. What? Is that all you can say? Have Otis fire a shot in about three minutes after I leave. I will not. The police department can't go around making like it was the 4th of July. You want to solve a murder, don't you? I have solved it. What more do I need? I got a suspect, the murder weapon, and a good motive. Uh, Walt, if you'd just killed someone and a guy caught you at it, what would you do? I'd knock him off, too. Well, I caught hire in the act, and he didn't pull the trigger. Well, you said yourself he was going to. But he didn't, and he took too much time thinking about it. Walt, I can't remember hearing a shot when I came in this building. So you didn't hear a shot. Maybe you couldn't. Well, that's what I want to find out. I was right behind Martin all the way up to this apartment, and I didn't hear a shot. Maybe he didn't kill her. That's right, I didn't. Please, I didn't kill her. You see, Walt? Oh, you always start something like this. Martin, did your girlfriend Sally have any enemies? No. At least she never told me about any. Now, where are you, brain trust? Just a little more sure of myself. First, Martin can't make up his mind about shooting me. Then he claims that the murdered girl didn't have any enemies. Does that sound like a killer trying to cover up? You've run into smart killers before. I'm surprised at you, Rick. I called the station, Lieutenant. I'm proud of you. Uh, Go on in the other room and shoot that cannon of yours off when I tell you. The what, Lieutenant? You heard me. Shoot it into a mattress, but don't muffle a shot. Uh, Okay. But not till I tell you. You might think it's fun and blow up the whole building. Thanks, Rob. What are you doing? Oh, uh, just looking around this desk to see if I can find the top piece of this letter. Oh, uh, Martin, are you sure that your girlfriend didn't know anyone who might want to kill her? She never said she was in danger. But you might ask her husband. Her husband? Oh, swell. Why didn't you say something about her husband before this? You didn't ask. Oh. Who is her husband? His name's Leon Fisk. The gambler? Yes. Oh. Bye, Walt. Now, you wait a minute. Have orders start making like a Roman candle three minutes after I leave. What's that you've got in your hand? Huh? Well, it's a piece of stationery from the desk that matches the stationery this letter was written on. You can't take that letter. It's evidence. What is? That letter the murdered girl wrote to this guy. Well, how do you know she wrote it? Because this guy said so. Yes, but I'm not sure. It could be forged. See, Walt, maybe she didn't write it. Well, that's why I want it. The lab will be able to tell from other samples of her handwriting. Tell what, Walt? Who wrote that letter? Well, don't you know? Of course I don't know, but we found it on this guy and it's police evidence. Why? Why? Because it just is, that's all. Well, anybody could have written it. You could have written it, Martin. Yes, I guess I could. And send it to yourself? Why would I send it to myself, Lieutenant? You wouldn't. That's why it's important. You mean the letter itself or the fact that he couldn't have sent it to himself? Both reasons. Well, if he couldn't have sent it to himself, that eliminates him as a suspect. It does? He didn't do it. Did you, Martin? No. See, Walt? Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why do I always get into something like this? You asked me if I sent the letter to myself. You shut up. And you said he couldn't have. That's right, he couldn't. Then someone else did. Of course they did. Okay, then as long as you're not so sure it's important, I'm going to take it with me. Who says it's not important? Well, if he didn't send it to himself, then someone else did. And if someone else did, the murdered girl couldn't have, so anyone could have sent it. Isn't that right? Say that again. He said if I didn't send the letter to myself, then I couldn't have gotten it. No, no, no. He said you couldn't have sent the letter to... No, no, wait a minute. 
You couldn't have written it to... To, to myself. Yeah. So someone else wrote it and sent it to the murdered girl and... No, 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 no. Send it to me. You're crazy. I distinctly heard him say... Walt. Yeah? After you figure it out, be sure and have Otis fire that shot. I'm going to see Leon Fisk. Okay, okay. Now, let's start it again. If I didn't... If somebody didn't... If, if you didn't... If I didn't what? Lieutenant? Oh. <laughs> What is the matter, Lieutenant? He did it again. And you helped him. You rat, I'll see that you get the chair even if you didn't kill her. What did I do? You shut up. What took you so long? I had to get a merry-go-round started. Um, Can I drop you somewhere? Just relax for a second. I've got to think something out. Well, I didn't ever think Martin could kill anyone. Yeah. What was that? Just, uh, just a backfire. Look, uh, drive me across town. I want to talk to a guy named Leon Fisk. Leon Fisk? Yeah, runs a nightclub with an iron claw in the back room. Uh, what's the address? Uh, 222 East 45th. I remember it because when I was on the force, I used to raid his place for exercise. Uh... Thinking of doing some gambling? That's the way it'll probably end up. Let's go. She drove me across town, and ten minutes later, we pulled up in front of a low building with a flight of steps leading down to a basement door. A large sign over the door read, Cellar Club. I got out and thanked June for the lift and watched her drive off. I went down the steps and through the door. Something I can do for you? Yeah, I'd like to see Leon Fisk. Maybe you don't want to see it. What's the name? Just tell him Diamond. Okay. Uh, you got a phone booth? Yeah, right over there. Thanks. I found the phone booth and went in. In my business, you work with hunches, and sometimes they pay off. I knew that the torn letter had to be sent to someone the dead girl was going to slough. I didn't think it was higher, so the next best prospect was her husband, Leon Fisk. I didn't have a thing to pin on him, but a good bluff can open a lot of doors. I took out the letter and copied the handwriting on the other piece of stationery. I wrote the name Leon at the top, and then the words, We Can't Continue, so they'd correspond with the first part of the original. Yeah? What was your writing? What's it to you? You don't have to get sore. I just thought maybe you was getting a tip on the horses, and I sure could use a winner. The nags have been beating me to death. Oh, no tip. Okay, the boss will see you. That door right over there. Thanks. Well, Diamond, it's been a long time. I haven't missed you, Leon. What brings you here? Your wife was killed tonight. Sally? One's usually the lemon. Uh, that's too bad. How did it happen? I thought maybe you could tell me. I don't know anything about it. Never mm, see this letter before? Hey. Uh, what's the matter? That's your wife's handwriting, isn't it? Yeah. It says, uh, Leon, we can't continue. Then the writing stopped. Well, so what? Well, the guy the police are holding got a letter from Sally, too. It started the same way, but it wasn't addressed to anyone. The top was torn off. You know what I think? No, tell me. I think she started one letter to you, then threw it away and wrote another one. I think you sent the second to Martin Haar after tearing off the name Leon. Now, go on, Diamond. You didn't count on her starting a second one, so you went up to her apartment and killed her with Martin's own gun. Oh, with his own gun. Uh, maybe you can tell me how I got it. Oh, oh, I think so. You had to know a lot of things before you could kill your wife. 
What time Martin would arrive so the time of death would be close. You had to have his gun to leave by the body, and you had to have a witness who would swear Martin killed her. It had to be time, just right. You're talking yourself into a corner. How would I get all these things? By working with someone who was close enough to Martin. Maybe like his wife. You're crazy. Am I? She just drove me to this place. So what? A lot of people know this place. She told me she didn't. So I gave her an address eight doors down, but she pulled up right in your front of your door. Well, that could happen. It was too pat, Leon. Getting me to come to her place at ten minutes to eight, and knowing her husband would leave close to eight... She had to know it because that letter was delivered just before I got there. Think you can prove it? You made one mistake. I didn't hear a shot when I got to your wife's apartment. I found out later that you could hear one all the way down in the street. Your wife was killed before Martin went into that building. Probably when you saw his cab pull up. Well, anyway, it's enough to hold you on, and I think we can prove later on that you've been seeing June Hires. You're a pretty smart shamus, Damon. Oh, you mean you admit it? Okay, baby, come on in. June, come on out of there. Leon, are you crazy? Well, well, well. I didn't know you kept your back room stocked with nylons, Leon. Yeah, yeah. I guess you two don't need any introductions. Why did you have to drag me into this? You heard what Diamond said. He knows all about it. You got the car out back? Yes. But what are we going to do with him? Diamond? Well, he's going swimming with a barrel of cement. Lieutenant Levinson wouldn't like that. He knows I came here. You're lying. Wait a minute. Maybe he isn't. Diamond was upstairs with him for quite a while. Okay, so we'll have to hurry things up. Leon, you, you can't shoot him. Yeah. You should know it's not polite to point. I'm not going to knock him off here in the office. We'll take him in the car and do it later. No, Leon. What do you mean, no? It was your idea to kill your wife. I just helped get the gun. I'm not going to be along if you kill Diamond. You're going to be right with me, baby, because you're in this up to your pretty neck, and I need that car. I'm not going to do it. Oh, yes, you are. You and Diamond go swimming together. Leon! Give me that gun. You... Let, me... Let me go. Come on, drop it. You go to the devil. June, June, come back here. I'm getting off. You got me into this mess. Come back here, you... You dirty little tramp, don't you take that car! You're not going anywhere, Leon. You want to bet? I'll fix you, Diamond! He hit me with the butt of his gun, and I went down like the price of wheat in July. As I picked myself up, I watched him run for the back door. June! June, wait for me! You're not going to leave me here to take the rock! I got my gun out and stumbled over to the window and looked out just as the car started up. I spotted Leon with a gun in his hand. He looked mean enough to start shooting with it. He did. started running up the alley then. I suppose I could have said something like stop or I'll shoot, but I was too tired. I just rested my arm on the window and let him have it. Ah! Well, Walt finally showed and cleaned things up. I was bleeding again, so I headed for 975 Park Avenue and my usual first aid station. Yes? Hello, Francis. Miss Asherin? Oh, my goodness, Mr. Diamond. Come in, sir. Come in. You've been hurt again. I guess you'll have to answer the door a little quicker after this, Francis, or build a first aid station in the hall. The usual, sir? No, you can forget the plasma, Francis. I had liver for dinner. I can stand the loss. Just as you say, sir. Miss Asher is in the study. Oh, thank you. Why don't you go to bed? You look tired. Yes, well, good night, sir. Boo. Oh, oh, Rick. Yeah, isn't it awful? Oh, what happened to your chin? Oh, I got it caught in a thirty-eight. Wanted to go. Want you to go? Why? Well, I thought maybe my poor little face scared you. Oh, I like your poor little mussed-up face. Well, thanks, sporty. How about some music? 
Oh, I'm too tired. Turn on the radio. All right. Now, let me look at that chin. Oh, that's soothing. Hey, oh, shut that radio off. I'm trying to sleep. Now, what is that? Oh, it's that crabby old neighbor. Oh, it is, huh? Now, Rick, don't get mad. I'll turn it off. You want something, Max? Yeah, some sleep. Is that too much to ask? Well, stick your head in a closet. Now, look, bud. You look. That radio wouldn't wake a two-year-old. Well, just pretend I haven't stopped teething, wise guy. All I want is some sleep. Oh, you do, huh? Sleepy time, gal. You're turning night into day. Uh, you... oh. Rick. Oh, that guy upsets me. All right, he upsets you. That's too pretty a song to sing like that. No. Now you do it right or I'm going to be mad. Well, honey, then that's the last thing I want you to be. Now, now cuddle up on the sofa. You comfy? Mm-hmm. Don't be mad now, baby. Sleepy time, gal. You're turning night into day. Sleepy time, gal. You dance the evening away. Oh, that's wonderful. Before each silvery star fades out of sight. Please give me one little kiss. Then let us whisper goodnight. It's getting late, and baby, your pillow's waiting. Sleepy time, gal. When all your dancing is through. Sleepy time, gal. I'll find a cottage for you. You'll learn to cook and to sew. What's more, you'll love it, I know. When you're stay at home, play at home, eight o'clock, sleepy time, gal. Well, how was that, baby? Helen. Helen. Well, how do you like that? She snores, too. Hey, you! Max! Yeah, now what do you want? How about a game of gin? I'm lonesome. You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg. Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Jay Novello, Joan Banks, and Stacey Harris. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Dick Powell soon will be seen in the screen version of the best-selling novel, Mrs. Mike. Now this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. This program has come to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Next, let's turn to someone that we have not seen on Canadians and Old Time Radio, and that would be the Toronto-born Mary Pickford. They used to call her America's Sweetheart, but yes, indeed, she was born in Toronto, and this week she appears in 
Pickford and Company. The makers of Royal Desserts present Mary Pickford and Company. Tonight's play, The Church Mouse. This is a great moment in radio history. We are bringing to the microphone tonight the best-known woman in the world. Her charming, familiar face has flashed on screens in every city and town in America and in Europe, in China and in Japan. She is a friend through her pictures to millions of men, women, and children whom she has never seen. We take pride in presenting Mary Pickford for her first radio series. She will appear each week at this time as the star of some well-known play, a play of real dramatic interest which has been tried and found successful on the stage. For her first appearance tonight, she has chosen the romantic comedy, A Church Mouse. In it, she will play the part of Susie Wayne, a girl whose honesty and sweet charm win for her first a job, and later, something even more important. She will be assisted by the following members of her company, who will appear in the order named. Mr. Gail Gordon, as Skylar Thompson, Miss Jeanette Nolan, Mr. Theodore Osborne, Mr. James Eagles, and Mr. Crawford Kent. But before we begin the play... I want Mary Pickford to speak to you as herself. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor and a privilege to welcome to our studio, on behalf of the radio listeners of the world, Mary Pickford. Thank you, Mr. McIntyre. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying something new tonight. Just as I tried something new when I made my first picture. I hope it will be a success. May I thank all of you who've been my loyal friends for the support you've given me in my work. And uh, I do hope you'll like me on the air. This program is sponsored by the makers of Royal Dessert. When you dip your spoon into a colorful, sparkling strawberry gelatin dessert, you expect to taste the flavor of strawberries. And what a disappointment if you find it flat and insipid with no strawberry flavor at all. But that's just what happens when gelatin is allowed to get shelf stale. You see, the flavor of gelatin evaporates when the gelatin gets stale. Stale strawberry gelatin loses its flavor, just as fresh strawberries do when they become stale. After a package of gelatin has been sitting on the grocer's shelf for a long time, the flavor is almost gone. That's why royal gelatin is handled as a perishable food. It's rushed to grocers fresh by the same rapid delivery system that carries Fleischmann's fresh yeast and Chasen Sanborn's dated coffee. Royal has no chance to get shelf steak. When you buy royal strawberry gelatin, it really tastes like delicious fresh strawberries. And the other royal flavors are just as full-bodied and true to the fruit. Lemon, lime, orange, cherry, raspberry, or pineapple. Try royal gelatin tomorrow. Wall Street. Skylar Thompson has made himself president of a big international banking firm at the age of 35. But though he has a genius for finance, Skyler is also human. 
and has human weaknesses. In fact, he's so human that this morning he's had to dismiss his pretty secretary, Dolly Fry, simply because she distracts him from his work. Girls like you are for the evening, he tells Dolly. There's no place in a bank. No more women in my office from now on. So Dolly gets six months' salary, Skyler gets her telephone number, and settles down to work. But after about an hour, the door behind him swings noiselessly open, and a tiny girl, pale, shabbily dressed and looking thoroughly frightened, squeezes into the room like a mouse. She tiptoes to Skyler's desk, waits for him to look up, and finally, she speaks. Good morning. May I... Who are you? I, I... How did you get in here? I waited until the man at the door turned his back for a second, and then I slid through. Why do you want to see me? Because you're the president of the bank. You are, aren't you? You're Mr. Skylar Thompson? Yes, I am. And who are you? Susie Wayne. Oh, just nobody at all. But I had to see you. Um, may I sit down? Uh, yes, yes, but be brief. I'm a stenographer. I want a position. What? Please give me a job. I'm sorry, but you've come to the wrong place. I discharged my secretary this morning, and I intend to engage a man. That's you, all. You mean that I'm to go? Certainly I do. You've already taken up a great deal of my time. I know, and I'm very sorry for that. But um, I'm not going. What? Oh, I couldn't give up so easily. It would be cowardly. I might cry and try to work on your feelings. But I won't cry. Why, this very morning, the President of the United States is holding an investigation of my affairs. An investigation of your affairs? Yes. What do you mean? See, here it is, in the Times. An investigation of the problems of the unemployed. I'm that problem. I am the unemployed. Mm. Yes, yes, I suppose you are. But if the President doesn't solve my problem by noon, we won't have anything to eat today and nothing tonight. Or tomorrow morning either. Why? Why, that's unbelievable. Why should you be surprised? I've already told you I'm poor. Why, I'm as poor as a church mouse. Are you serious when you tell me you're often hungry? Hungry? Oh, that doesn't describe it. I belong to the poor who press their noses against windows. You've seen girls look in windows, haven't you? Yes, yes, that's jewelry. Well, I'm a delicatessen looker. I flatten my nose against the show windows and imagine I'm eating the delicious articles of food. Why, you poor child. For lunch, I look at frankfurters and potato salads. And then comes dinner. Oh, uh, dinner? Uh, But dinner's not so simple. I take a sardine and divide it. You uh, divide a sardine? Mm Mm-hmm. The tail is the appetizer. While I eat that, I look at trout and salmon. And then I turn my attention to the roast beef or to the fried chicken. In the meantime, I've eaten two-thirds of a sardine. I divide the rest into small bits, a little fruit and a little cheese. And you want to work? Work? Oh, I'll say I do. Look, Mr. Thompson, there's an empty table and a wonderful typewriter. (laughs) Oh, it's such a temptation. Let me sit down and use it. You won't be sorry, because once I get hold of a machine like this, the work will fly. This take to me. Oh, please, dictate to me. <clears throat> well, all right. Take this. Directors, General Oil Importing Company, Vienna. Gentlemen, 
At this time, I can inform Faster, you... Faster, please. ...that the negotiations with the various European oil concerns... Faster, yes? ...have been so successful as to practically assure my great project. After the fulfillment of the usual legal requirements... Faster, much, much faster. Uh, this transaction, which we consider of the greatest importance to the industry, can be completed on the 24th of this month in the city of Paris. Very truly yours. Done. Yes. Well, Emma... Hello? Yes? This is the office of the president. You would like to speak to Mr. Scarlett Thompson personally? Oh, I'm sorry, but Mr. Thompson's not in just now. Uh, what? You told him I wasn't in? It was the safest thing to say. And may I ask how you presume to reach that conclusion? It was a woman's voice. Huh? <laughs> Remarkable. <laughs> now, Mr. Thompson, isn't it time to sign your mail? Hmm? Uh, yes, yes, yes. We'd better get that done. Uh... Hello? Oh, yes. Just a minute. Did you speak to Mr. Frank Thompson? Oh, my brother. Yes, yes. I'm to have lunch with him. Hello, Frank. Yes, I'll be right with you. Oh, 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 oh. Mr. Thompson. Um, well, uh, this young lady here won't let me go till I sign my mail. She's a human dynamo. No, she's not, Miss Fry. Of course not. The young lady who answered the telephone is, uh, uh my new secretary. Oh, yes, I'll be right up. Oh, you mean it? You're going to let me? Well, that's taken for granted. Oh, that's marvelous. But I wonder if you'd mind, just for today, if I had lunch first and signed the mail afterwards? Well, all right, but just for today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'll see you later, Miss Wayne. Oh, well, I almost forgot. How could I have overlooked such an important matter? Miss Wayne, I'm pleased to hand you a $10 advance on your salary. Oh, Mr. Thompson... Oh, you're so kind. Well, I wonder if I may... Well, what is it? I would like to make a very important telephone call. Oh, go right ahead. I'll leave you to yourself. Oh, but I didn't mean that. It's not so very private, you see. Atlantic. 11751, please. Sure this isn't personal? Oh, no, you see. Uh, hello? The 50 Market? Mr. Marks? Uh-huh. Uh, well, this is Susie Wayne. Yeah. Listen, will you please send some things up to my mother at once? Uh, Five pounds of flour, uh-huh, and five pounds of sugar, one pound of coffee the best, and, uh, six eggs, no, a dozen eggs, and two pounds of butter, no, one pound. I mustn't spend too much. The salary will be thirty dollars. Thirty dollars? Six cans of sardines. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, and a half a pound of chocolate and a few frankfurters. The big ones? Well, I... Yes, yes, the biggest. Yes, yes, the biggest. And would you kindly tell my mother to get dinner ready? What? Oh, oh, no. I couldn't afford a chicken. I was wrong. I mean, the salary will be $40. Yes, Mr. Marks. Yes, a chicken. A big one. A fat one. And please tell my mother that I have a job. A wonderful job. And tonight she shall have dinner. And what a dinner. Tell her to cook everything. I want it all at once. And oh, Mr. Marks, I just got a wonderful job. A wonderful job. Three weeks have passed and Susie got her job. And Skylar Thompson's business has taken him... With the efficient Susie to Paris, where he's trying to negotiate a big oil merger. But Dolly Fry, Schuyler's former secretary, is also in Paris and has been trying to see him. She finally calls in person at the luxurious hotel suite which serves Schuyler and his office staff for both business and living quarters in Paris. Is this Mr. Scarlet Thompson's suite? Yes. What is it you wish? I'm his secretary. My name is Dolly Fry. I want to see Mr. Thompson. Did you have an appointment? No. 
<laughs> well, Mr. Thompson never sees anyone without an appointment. <laughs> My dear, I know all those answers so well. You see, I used to be Mr. Thompson's secretary myself. You? Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me, not officially, when do you expect Mr. Thompson? Unofficially and truthfully and finally, I haven't the slightest idea. Listen, I've left my number with you half a dozen times. Mr. Thompson is here on business. He has no time for women. <laughs> I know what you want. You want to come back to the bank. Oh, you're wrong, my dear. The bank wants to come back to me. Oh, you talk about Mr. Thompson as if he were a clerk. <laughs> as if you knew what kind of a man he is. You have an idea he's all brain and business. Don't you think his heart beats faster when I lean against him by accident? By accident? By intentional accident. And how men love it. Really? Do they? It's like this. A quick movement. You rush against him. You pull back. You say, oh, pardon me. He murmurs something. I wonder. Air is charged with electricity. He struggles for his self-control. And just as he almost has it, he has to start all over again. Then his arms begin to ache to hold you. They steal around you. And if you're a smart girl, you say, no, you must And then he stops, stops. Of course he doesn't stop. He goes on. He pulls you closer. You struggle, but not much. And, and, and what does he say? Oh, it doesn't matter. You don't care. His arms tighten. You get dizzy. His eyes look into yours. Oh, his eyes. His lips come closer. His lips. Your eyelashes flutter down. You see nothing. All you know is the wonderful strength of his embrace. And then? He kisses Oh, how you tell it. I almost lived it. You! You never will. Of course, you're not bad-looking yourself. Only I'm afraid you're just a machine, my dear. Well, even that would be better than to be like you. All you think of is lovemaking. That might be enough for him. I suppose you'll win. But it won't last. Even if you get him, you can't hold him. Do you think you could? I've never tried. I wouldn't want to like that. Why don't you? It would probably amuse him. Well, I must be running along now. Will you promise to tell Mr. Thompson I called? I have my orders to use my own judgment about visitors and to keep any undesirable ones away. <laughs> what a child you are. <laughs> Goodbye, my dear. Goodbye. <laughs> But when Skylar Thompson comes in, Susie does not tell him about Dolly. He has completed his merger. And in the excitement of taking charge of everything, Susie forgets Dolly completely. But the undiscourageable Dolly finally gets Skylar on the telephone. He is delighted to hear from her and correspondingly angry with Susie for keeping them apart. I will always see Miss Fry, he tells Susie. I'm going to see her at 9 o'clock this evening. In the future, I wish you would let old Mr. Jackson handle my appointments. But when Skylar sees how his little secretary is crushed by this ultimatum, he relents a little and tells her he has planned a party for her. His brother Frank and Major Dunbar, an old family friend, are to call for her and take her out to show her Paris. And so Susie hurries to her room to dress in a Paris evening gown and then hurries out to the office to try its effect on Mr. Jackson, Skylar's confidential clerk, who is still busy at his desk. Ooh, Mr. Jackson. Yes, Susie? Aren't you going to look at my new dress? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Why, Susie, how, how lovely you... Why, well, you look just like a princess. And not a machine? Oh, 
Thank you, Mr. Jackson. That was just what I needed. Susie, what are we going to do with all the people who want to call on Mr. Thompson and congratulate him on his murder? Some of them are very important, and then they're waiting already. The Compton Fallsburg and Monsieur Pichon and Monsieur Well, Mr. Thompson told me very specially that he doesn't want people kept away from him, and that you were to make his appointment. Yes, yes, I know. But he's going out this evening, isn't he? I believe he has one engagement. Oh, but surely nothing as important as these gentlemen. Why don't you arrange like this? The Count von Wolfsburg at 8.30, Monsieur yeah. Pichon, Monsieur Clichy at 9 o'clock. At 9. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman of the press at 9.30, the committee from the Bourse at 10, and so on is requested until 11. But the Minister of Finance also wishes an hour. Oh, by all means. <laughs> from 11 until 12. Uh, of course. I'll make the arrangement. Be sure that you do. Oh, Mr. Jackson, I feel just like going out. Eh? <clears throat> I feel so much happier now that Mr. Thompson's evening is so beautifully planned. Yes, yeah, well, I, I expect I'd better go and see the hotel manager about showing these people up to the office. Yes, yes. That must be Mr. Frank to take me to dinner. Will you see Mr. Jackson? Oh, certainly. Oh, Jackson, is Miss Wayne Susie, how charming you look. Thank you, Mr. Frank. Well, I, I hardly know you, but I'm forgetting my manners. I want you to meet Major Dunbar. He's an old family friend and an expert on Paris. Susie, I think we can count on a large evening. My dear, I'm honored to have the company of such an exquisite lady. Oh, you're both so kind. <laughs> and I'm so very excited. You know, I'm having my first Paris adventure, Major Dunbar. No. <laughs> In fact, my first adventure anywhere. <laughs> well. <laughs> you won't mind if I can't keep my excitement to myself? Well, of course not. Think. I have two escorts. Oh, uh, Susie. Oh, Mr. Frank. Flowers for me? Mm-hmm. From both of us. Isn't she a vision, Major Dunbar? Oh, no, you're more than kind. Do you really think that anyone would notice me? Not even a blind man. You're adorable, my dear. And now, may we whisk you away? I'm sorry, but I have a message I must give Mr. Thompson before I go out. Oh, just a little business. Will you wait for me in the lounge? Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. You know, I-, I think I'm a little in love with you both. Now, <laughs> careful, Miss Wayne, or you'll have a duel on your hands. <laughs> Hurry along, Susie. Don't keep us waiting too long. As her escort departs, Susie glances quickly around the empty office. Listens for a moment in the direction of Skylar Thompson's bedroom door, and then walks to a mirror hanging on the opposite wall. She climbs upon a chair, looks at her feet and ankles in the glass. Suddenly, she hears a sound from Thompson's bedroom and jumps quickly to the floor. What? Why, Susan? Oh, oh, Mr. Thompson. Mr. Thompson, I want to apologize for not letting Miss Fry see you today. Who? Oh, oh, well, let's forget about that. But, Susie, is this the new evening gown? Yes. Do you like it? It's very effective. Very. How it changes you. And those pretty round little arms. Why haven't I ever noticed them? They've always been covered before. Do they feel as smooth as they look? Uh, I don't know. I wish you weren't going out. You yourself asked Mr. Frank to take me. So I did. What a fool I am sometimes. Susie... Come over here by the window. I want to show you Paris. It's beautiful in the moonlight. Paris is singing, isn't it? What does a city sing about? On a night like this, 
It must be a love song. I suppose so. Oh, pardon me for brushing against you. It was an accident. Don't apologize. It was delightful. Oh. Susie, dear. Oh, no, you mustn't. I... Oh, oh, I feel so dizzy. You darling. Did you really mean that? I'll show you whether I mean it. Oh, no, Mr. Thompson. Oh, please. You mustn't be frightened. Let me go. I didn't mean it. I didn't. There, there. There's nothing to be afraid of. Please, dear. Oh, no, no. You don't understand. I'm so ashamed. Dear little girl, why should you be ashamed? You haven't done anything. Oh, yes, I have. It was all my fault. I'm to blame for it all. You're to blame for my trying to kiss you? Yes. She said I was just a machine and no man would ever notice me. So I tried it, just as she says she does. I, I leaned against you accidentally. I protested. I got busy. I closed my eyes. I almost got kissed. What? Why, you little devil, who told you all this? Dolly Fry. Experimenting <laughs> with Dolly's rules. <laughs> you little imp. Oh, I hate myself. It's so cheap, so common. I should think you despise me. I adore you. Oh, no. You never thought of me as a woman until I made you do it. But women always open men's eyes. Well, I don't. I'm not satisfied to sneak into a man's arms and be kissed just because I happen to be there. That's too easy for him. I want a man to climb mountains just to get to me. I want him to pass by all the other women and kick down a door to kiss me. Susie. When I love a man, he must ache and long for me. Only me. He must be hungry and thirsty forever unless I come along. I, Susie Wayne, no other woman on earth will do. That's the sort of love I want. I'll show you what for. Now, who the devil is that? Oh, Frank. What's he doing, Susie? Oh, hello, Skyler. Oh. Hello, Skyler. Can you join us? Uh, yes, yes, Major. I think I will. Oh, no, you can't. Uh, you have an important engagement with a lady at 9 o'clock. Huh? Oh, that. Well, I'll break it. Of course. Uh, but you have a lot of other engagements, too. Look, here's your calendar. At 8.30, the Count von Waldberg. At 9, Monsieur Pinchel, Monsieur Clichy. My, you'll be awfully busy at 9. <laughs> at 9.30, the gentleman of the press, and at 10... Now, what the devil is this? Who made all these appointments for me? Why, you told me you didn't want people kept away from you. Why, you know... Well, well let's get started, Susie. <laughs> have a good time, Skylar. Yeah. Yes, have a pleasant evening, Mr. Thompson. Cheerio, <laughs> <laughs> Skylar. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> well, I'll be damned. <laughs> It's three o'clock in the morning, and Skylar Thompson has had an extremely disagreeable evening. Since the last of his official interviews ended at midnight, he has done nothing but fidget, glancing frequently out of the window at one end of the room, which overlooks the street. He has not... It has not been the night of celebration which he planned. Hello. Hello. Oh, hello, Dolly. I know a lot of things came up, and I just didn't get a chance to call you. No, no, it's too late now. It's the third. No. I've got a big job still ahead of me before the night's over. Goodbye. Oh, oh, come in. Come in. Oh, Major. Hello. What in the world have you been doing all this time? Where the devil is Susie? With Frank. I had to stop. I couldn't keep up with them. I'm getting old, I'm afraid. Well, where is she now? Where did you take her? Oh, everywhere. Cafe after cafe. She danced, she sang. She was wild with excitement. And then we drove in the bois in one of those open cabs. She jumped out and dared Frank and me to race with her. Like an elf, she started to run and Frank after her. 
course, I was left behind. Well, when was this? Four hours ago. Hmm. Susie alone with Frank and the Bois. You should be ashamed of yourself. Why in the name of... Oh, come in. Oh, Frank. Where's Susie? Isn't she with you? She ran away from me. I've been looking for her ever since. I thought she'd be here. A fine pair of cavaliers. Leave a girl like that alone in Paris. I don't think she has a penny either. Well, she didn't need now, to go her. and find her and uh, bring her back at once. Each of you take a taxi. Drive through the bar from different entrances. Now, will you go? Will you get out? Oh, all right, Skylar. Don't worry. Worry? 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 No, worry. no, no, no. Keep calm. Old I man. am calm. I am. Now, get out of here. Hurry up. Oh, all right. Lord, you idiots. Oh, I wonder where Susie can be. Susie, where on earth have you been? Haven't I been terribly worried, Susie? I've been in my room since a little after midnight. Oh. I tried to write to my mother, but I couldn't. You know, I think Paris has gone a little to my head. To mine, too. Susie, how do you feel now? Excited. Wonderful. I feel so free. It was marvelous in the bois. The moon was shining, and all around were the woods. Dark and mysterious. But the lovers there, with their whisperings and their kisses, I couldn't bear them. I had to come back. So tonight you thought of love, perhaps for the first time. Is that it, little mouse? Until now, I've known only the hunger for food. The delicatessen windows held all I wanted. But now I'm well fed, and I'm still unsatisfied. For I know that I really have nothing. What do you want, Susie? Oh, something beautiful. Something I can see through the window of life. At first, I thought I only wanted to look on. But that isn't enough. I want to be in it. I want to be of it. You're finally awake, Susie. You see ahead of you a new world. A world full of unexpected joys. It needs only one word. One step. One kiss. One word. One kiss. Susie, do you know that you have lovely feet and ankles? Oh. And wonderful eyes, so deep that a man could drown in them. And what a mouth. <clears throat> Will you take a telegram, Miss Wayne? Why, certainly. Ready? Well, uh, a dear child. Dear child. You'll never know what a struggle it's been for me to act as I have. Uh, Thomas. But I wanted to be quite sure before I told you what was in my heart. Stop. In my heart? Stop. Forgive me for not telling you openly and honorably, the comma. Bastard. For not saying at once, I love you. Stop. And now the address. Please. The address very slowly. Spell it out. Miss C-H-U-R-C-H-M-O-U-S-E. Oh. Oh, my sweet. Oh. What comes now, darling? Stop. Stop. Ooh, stop. This program is sponsored by the makers of Royal Desserts, who a little over a year ago asked American housewives to make a simple test, merely to smell their gelatin desserts as they added the hot water, and then to make the same test with Royal Gelatin. 
Many women who tried this test were amazed at the difference. At once, there was a big demand for royal gelatin. Women told each other about its delightful fragrance, its aroma of fresh fruit. And royal gelatin became so tremendously popular that within the past year, the sale of royal gelatin has more than doubled. If you have not already made this test, try it the next time you make a gelatin dessert. Add the hot water, then smell the rising vapor. With royal gelatin, you'll never get a trace of unpleasantness. Just the delicious fragrance of real, fresh fruit. Strawberry, cherry, or pineapple, lemon, lime, or orange. Try several different flavors of royal gelatin. Get some tomorrow. Next week, Mary Pickford will be back again on this program in another great play. She wants to tell you about it herself. Miss Pickford. are planning to present Coquette, which you may remember was my first talking picture. We've already started rehearsals, and I'm happy to say Johnny Mac Brown is playing the hero, as he did with me on the screen. I hope you'll all be listening in for next Wednesday evening, and until then, good night, and God go with you. And that'll be it for Canadians and old-time radio this time around. I do hope that you'll join me again. Bye for now. If you've enjoyed the shows you've heard during the past hour, be sure to tune in again next week, same time, same station, when once again, we'll listen to programs that are remembered today thanks to the involvement of Canadians in old-time radio. This is Devin Wilkins speaking.